You're listening to. Whoa! To Books and Bobo, a book club and podcast featuring books by Asian and Asian American authors. My name is Marvin Yu. And I'm Rira Yu. And on this episode of Books and Bobo, we'll be talking with Vanessa Hua, um, the author of the recently released novel, A River of Stars. It came out yesterday. It came out yesterday. Well, as of this recording, we are recording this intro during um, Crazy Rich Asians Day. Uh, oh, yeah, that that's Rich true. Asians it comes, comes out, out today. Um, you're, pro- you're probably hearing this uh, a week later. <laughs> Um, a week so. later, maybe two weeks later, we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, we just recorded a really great interview with Vanessa Hua. Rira um, conducted it. Yeah, so pretty much the book uh, begins at this maternity hotel in in like Los Angeles. I'm guessing it's San Gabriel Valley. It doesn't specify, but uh, it's Is it about coded? coded that way. <laughs> I, I mean, it just seems like it. <laughs> But uh, it's about this factory girl named uh, Scarlett Chen, and she has an affair with her boss, and she gets pregnant. And she gets an ultrasound, of course, illegally in China, and uh, she is told that she's about to have a boy. So she is shipped off to this maternity hotel because her boss is just like, I want my son to have an American citizenship. And uh, there she realizes some uh, some truths i guess that would change circumstances and she breaks free of the maternity hotel and escapes to san francisco's chinatown with a fellow uh pregnant woman in <laughs> in the maternity hotel and it's just pretty much like about their struggles to make a life for themselves uh in san francisco and to also like take care of their children and uh, I think it's a really great novel. Like, there's, uh, I mean, it sounds really bleak. The it, condition. it sounds kind of dark, but I also feel like the way you described it, it's, it's also hilarious. there's a lot of lightness to it. Yeah, it yeah. is hilarious. I think Vanessa Hua is is just like so good at writing like comedy in between. <laughs> like, it, like there's there's like a great balance to it, and we talk about it more in in the interview. That's great. It goes to show that not every immigrant story needs to be dark and oppressive. Even though the depression is there in the background, yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's it's just so nice that we are getting more, uh, like, I guess more variety. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Well, without further ado, here is Rira's interview with Vanessa Hua. Enjoy. Okay. Um, I like to ask our authors um, this question when we start our interviews. Where are you from? I know that you're from the Bay Area, but uh, were you born and raised there? Yes. And uh, in fact, I am back in the same house that I grew up in um, because uh, after my dad passed away, we moved back um, to be with my mom. Um, But it's like the sort of the, the next generation of three generations under one roof. When I was a kid, my grandmother lived with us as well. So it was, uh, you know, a, a traditional uh, arrangement of, of, you know, many generations. So you're a second generation uh, Chinese American? Well, yes. I'm the daughter of Chinese immigrants, American born. So 
I think by different reckonings, I'm either first generation or second generation. Um, so I know that you are a columnist for the San Francisco Chronicle, and you are the writer of the short story collection Deceit and Other Possibilities. Uh, and River of Stars is your first novel. Um, so my question is, like, how have you always been a storyteller or is writing a passion that you discovered later in your life? I've been a writer as long as I can remember. Um, you know, I, I still have notebooks you know, with like Garfield on the cover and then, um, you know, with my story scrawled in it, complete with a, a title page, illustrations and, you know, stories, you know, the, the title listed on every other page and my name on the other. Um, and in the second grade, I remember I, uh, we all had to write short stories in class and the teacher had everyone raise their hand and vote on their favorite and mine won. Um, before oh, I could, awesome. uh, but before I could savor that victory, I overheard a classmate whisper to her friend, I only voted for hers because it was the longest. Uh, so, um, Ooh. Was- burn. Um, so you, you've kind of worked in different mediums, like you are a journalist and you've written like a short story. Was it difficult trans- transitioning into uh, writing a novel? Well, I mean, I think... Uh, whether it's in fiction or in journalism, I always have this desire to tell untold stories and, you know, to sort of follow my curiosity wherever that, that leads me. Um, just wondering like why and what if, and who, you know, what kind of character finds himself in this situation and, you know, how will they, how do they kind of make their way out of it? Um, but so, and I, I love working in these different genres um, because you know, with journalism, your story may get posted that afternoon, that week. And so you're, you know, continually out there, continually engaged with the world. Whereas a novel is, you know, a years long uh, endeavor where there's lots of twists and turns and, you know, and then so many other things are sort of out of your hands, like, will it get published? How will it be received? Um, And, but, but there's something also satisfying about writing a novel, like, much like, you know, finishing a marathon or climb, reaching the, the top of a mountain, it, you know, <laughs> it, it feels like a substantial effort has, or I put in a substantial effort and it's really gratifying to kind of see it out in the world. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure um, you being a journalist, you have a lot of rich material to work with to weave into fiction. Definitely. I think, um, and, and I think I have, as a journalist, I also feel a license to go ask those questions. <laughs> Um, or, or to do that research. I think I've probably hit up every friend with any sort of expertise with questions like, what does a gunshot wound smell like? Or what circumstances uh, would cause a, a plane to get grounded? So, um, you know, and I think, um, you know, that my definitely my my journalism training has helped me with the discipline of writing daily and collaborating with editors. And also realizing that the first draft is not the last draft and that there's always um, an ability to sort of go back and, and, and revise and, and to understand that, you know, just get it down and then you you can return to it. Yeah, definitely for a novel, which has like hundreds of pages, first draft is not going to be perfect. Um, so I was fascinated by the premise of your novel. Um, we've heard news stories about uh, maternity hotels where wealthy Chinese pregnant women stay in order to attain American citizenship for their babies. 
Um, how did you go about、uh, researching and building Perfume Bay in your novel?、Uh, yes,、um, I first heard about these maternity hotels while living in Southern California and pregnant with my twins. And they're, you know, these houses—they're often in the Asian suburbs, like San, in San Gabriel Valley or in Irvine. And、um, the the neighbors were baffled. They were asking, "Why are all these pregnant women coming and going?" And it sounded like a brothel in reverse. And so, <laughs> I, having understood this, you know, learned about this phenomenon in news reports, I began wondering、um, what would cause someone to come here, you know, to to it, it, one of the most vulnerable times in their life,、um, and yet, you know, what did U.S. citizenship mean to them? And、um, the women weren't talking.、Um, When when、uh, you know the places got sort of busted for code violations for cramming in too many pregnant women in, in one place,、um, and I think that's a, a, a great place where fiction can flourish. That once the official record ends, you can start you know you can employ your imaginative empathy to try and understand you know one person's hopes and dreams. And there was there was one、um, news article in particular I remember where a neighbor said that. A pregnant woman had knocked on her door saying she was hungry, and could she please, you know, give her something to eat? And I began to realize in that that the maternity centers, even though they sort of advertise luxury accommodations、um, and you know field trips to you know different places to the mall,、um, that it might feel like a prison for some of these women. And so out of that,、um, my character Scarlett Chen was born. And I've, I've long been sort of interested. In、um, or been inspired by you know having done reporting in you know the Pearl River Delta in China and you know seeing how you know peasant teenagers make their way to the city to to find work it's 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 very difficult and arduous and yet they are carving a life out for themselves and、um, you know you you see that in San Francisco Chinatown too in the ways that people come here leaving behind their You know everything they've known, their their language and their culture, and 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 trying to make a life for themselves and for their children. Yeah, I I think I remember that article about、uh, the pregnant woman knocking on her neighbor's door and asking if she could go to McDonald's. Exactly.、Uh, I have. To, yeah, yeah. I think I remember that, and I remember thinking it was so bizarre, and I absolutely loved how you kicked off Scarlet and Daisy's adventures. Because、uh, Scarlet steals a van and Daisy happens to be a stowaway, and I thought that was like really comical.、Um, and it's really funny because you would think that、um, it, under dire circumstances that、uh, Scarlet is in,、um, I don't know, just having like two pregnant ladies just kind of team up. It's kind of like a weird comedy in a way, right? It's like a, a pregnant Selma and Louise. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or in some ways, one pregnant woman running or fleeing is tragedy, but two of them running at once, like the physic, like actually running like through a parking lot, is actually sort of comical. I mean, something I learned being pregnant is <laughs> it's like completely absurd. Your body is taken over by alien life forms. You you look different,、um, you know, and and there there's many humiliations and joys. Along the way, but、um, you know, it's there's. I think that's what I was hoping to get at with the book, like to sort of get at the the, the sort of the humor and the absurdity of it all too. 
Yeah, it's definitely a balancing act.、Uh, what I appreciated about your book was how many different narratives of the Chinese identity、uh, came to play.、Uh, you have Scarlett, who is a factory girl who moved from like the rural countryside、uh, and moved to the city, and you have Daisy, who is an American-born Taiwanese American with. You know, she has citizenship. She went to fancy international schools. She wields a certain kind of privilege, and、um, I just wanted to ask, like, what was it like weaving all these colorful Chinese and immigrant experiences together?、Uh, thank you. Yeah, I, I think it's、uh, for a long time、uh, the Chinese community or even Asian Americans are you know considered a monolith. Like, there's only one narrative of Of、uh, of how we got here, and you know, having lived that experience as as you know, American as an ABC, and also as a reporter and sort of writing about the community, you just see how how、um, diverse we are within a community, and in, in, in terms of our our histories, or our privilege, our socioeconomic status,、um, and so from like an outsider's point of view, we all look same, we all are the same. Um, but you know, there's just there's so many amazing stories out there, like fascinating stories that kind of、uh, put those stereotypes on end. And although I, I don't, I don't think I ever set out to be like I'm going to bat, you know, break down stereotypes with my fiction. You know, I'm, I'm driven by characters. But、um, you know, that is my hope that that people understand that, you know, come to come to understand that there are these different histories, and、um, you know. You know, where we have someone like old the old character of Old Wu. He was a paper son, and just sort of, you know, how he was impacted by things like the Chinese Exclusion Act,、um, and, and how Chinatown was shaped by that,、um, or how you know people in Hong Kong go in to open factories, and you know, in in mainland China, and sort of what impact that has, and what that difference is. And so, I, I think、um, it just makes for more.、Um, I wrote about these histories and these different kinds of lives because it makes, for me, the the story more interesting because it just it, it just reflects the way、uh, the world is now. Yeah,、uh, definitely. I I couldn't help but like noticing that.、Um, Like it's kind of weird because at the maternity、uh, hotel, like you see the divide in class and privilege among the、uh, pregnant women there. Like you have、uh, these rich、uh, Chinese women from like the mainland, and then you have like、um, Scarlett, who is kind of at the bottom of the,、uh, I guess, hierarchy because she doesn't have、um, she doesn't have a husband. She、uh, isn't. Mentioning her her like wealth, I guess. So the so the other women there just immediately assume that she、um, has no power.、Um, I thought that was really interesting.、Um, also, I found it really interesting that these women are seeking American citizenship for their babies because they they see immigration as, I guess, sort of this. Golden American Dream, right? But you, but you have a character in the book,、uh, Daisy's boyfriend, who actually goes back to the mainland to、um, to pursue a musical career.、Um, can you just like talk a little bit more about that? Like how immigration isn't 
really, I guess, like a linear story. Right. I've, it's, I've come to understand that um, immigration is circular, that it's not just uh, one way. And that, um, say, for the, the wealthy Chinese who are uh, the Thai Thais, who are Scarlet's antagonists, yeah. um, they see American citizenship as something, some benefit to, you know, collect as they would Ferraris or it's just part of, you know, being a, a global citizen or a, or a fancy purse. Like it's something um, that can be collected and bought as just as easily. Um, and, you know, as much as the U.S.'s reputation is taking a beating domestically and abroad, I mean, it's, it's U.S. citizenship is still sort of considered gold standard, even if they never, you know, even if they, uh, you know, don't remain here. And, and, you know, just go right back after giving birth, it's sort of like it holds that possibility of safety and security um, and future possibility. But then we have yeah. uh, someone like Daisy's boyfriend, who's ABC, but has always felt like perhaps like an, an outsider and, and sort of dreaming of what sort of possibilities might exist uh, in the, the, the very country that his parents left. Um, and there is, I don't know if you've heard of the phenomena of ABC or Canadian Chinese uh, going back and becoming pop stars in Hong Kong. And that's something I'd covered as a journalist um, and just was always so struck by that, that sort of circularity, how you go back, your parents left to make a better opportunity for you in the U.S. You went back in search of what they left behind um, uh-huh. and then you, you know, fall into this unexpected career where you're hugely famous in Asia, but a, a complete, uh, completely anonymous in the U.S. or in, in, you know, in the outside of the Asian community. Yeah, it's it's really it's really ironic uh, how that happens with uh, the story of opportunity. Um, what I another thing I really loved about your book was the sisterhood between Scarlett and Daisy. I mean, you like here you have two pregnant women from like totally opposite sides of the spectrum. There are different ages, uh, different uh, educational backgrounds and temperaments, and uh, they have no money or resources, and they have to rely on each other uh, to find food and income. What do you think their friendship says uh, says about motherhood? Well, I think it's sort of like um, people who live through uh, some sort of natural disaster or <laughs> go to war together. Uh, you can't help but uh, bond through that shared experience. Um, you know, and that's something that I found as a mother, and particularly for Scarlett and Daisy, since they're living together and, and trying to survive together and care for each other's kids, um, especially in those those early days, they're going to forge a bond that's lifelong um, even if um, initially they are sort of opposites and, you know, there's, you know, Scarlett in some ways can't stand um, Daisy's privilege. And then, you know, Daisy is sort of like wanting to be very sort of active in her journey to find her boyfriend. Um, but they, they reach an understanding and they, they form a makeshift family. And I mean, I think that's something that I've thought about, um, particularly in regards to immigrants, how, you know, how found family is so important um, if you're, you know, the rest of your, your clan is, is back in your ancestral country, like how uh, it's, it, how, how important that is to, to create these, um, 
you know, bond, not only I think for Scarlett and Daisy with between each other, but just in the, the apartment building where they live in Chinatown with, with other uh, Chinese immigrants. Yeah, I really, I really like the tenants in Scarlett's building. I really appreciated how vivid you made San Francisco and uh, how you illustrated like the daily struggles of uh, those living in Chinatown. Um, so I really also like the, uh, I also really liked Scarlett's relationship with her mother and how that changes, like how she how she how her perspective changes uh, as she become a mother herself um i i guess like this is kind of a personal question but was there a moment like that for you uh when you became a mother um did you kind of had a moment where you're like oh that's why my mom or my dad did this during my childhood yeah i mean definitely um becoming a a, a parent you can't help but reflect upon how you were raised um, and what struggles they might have been, uh, they might have had your parents. Um, and, and, you know, you know, so for, for so long, so much of your parents' life is kind of a mystery because you weren't there. You were just a wink in their eye, right? <laughs> if that, <laughs> and, you know, you weren't there in the most formative times in their, their life, say, like, you know, when they immigrated or when they were start, starting their career, um, you know, not necessarily. And so I think it's given me a deeper understanding, say, of my mother and what it meant for her. She's a scientist, but like to be sort of um, probably one of the few women of color in her field at the time or, you know, what it meant for them to move, for my parents to move in this suburban neighborhood that, you know, we, there weren't that many Asian families and, you know, but what, what they must have been thinking in terms of opportunity or what they wanted for their children and their education. Um, it's definitely, um, my, my mom is still always my mom to me, just the way that my kids, when they see my book or my column, they have some interest, but in the end, then they're like, well, can you give me a snack? <laughs> so <they're>, um, <laughs> it, it, It's an opportunity to becoming a parent and being a parent is just a way of kind of understanding the world through, uh, through different eyes. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure like when your kids grow up and they read uh, your articles, they'll understand you more, <laughs> hopefully. Um, was it your intention uh, to have pretty much most of your main female characters to be single mothers? Well, what, what, wasn't it, uh, you know, happy families are all alike? <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, there's a sense that if they were um, married and settled, then 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 there would be, you know, that would be tidy and there would, there would be no story. So it's, it's the very fact of their single motherhood that um, makes them, you know, have to sort of figure out their own way in the world because no one is, is going to support them or, or do it for them. Yeah, I like really, um, like Daisy and Scarlett, they're kind of experiencing uh, life in America through their babies. Uh, they're experiencing San Francisco for the first time through uh, th uh, through their children. Yes, having children forces you out in the world, in in a sense. Um, even if you'd rather just sort of re retreat with them, and you're you're exhausted, but you still have to go out. You have to get food. You have to you know go to doctor's appointments, and then once they're older, you have to 
you know, do what you can not to, to go stir crazy. Um, and, and then it, it just <laughs> people, other their neighbors get involved, you know, bringing them food or just wanting to, to, to help babysit or just, um, it's, it afford, it's hard to be a hermit, uh, with, with a kid. And so that way, um, and not only that, it also having children kind of reintroduces, uh, wonder into your life. Like even with my kids, and it's a scene that I sort of, um, replicate in the novel, but the, the first time they experienced rain, I remember it vividly, like how astonished they were that water was falling from the sky. Like, and then it, it did make me like stop and think like, it is wonderful and miraculous that like the whole system of evaporation and, and rain falling is, is like, that's what makes life on earth. Um, and now that my kids are older, it's made me think about things about like, how do I teach them about Martin Luther King or about Thanksgiving or about social justice and equality. And just you think about how you were raised and what you were taught and what you want to pass on to your children. Yeah, I like I really, really like that scene where the babies uh, exp- like they're looking at the sky and they're like, water is falling. Um but there's also a scene in the novel when Scarlett is in the immigration lawyer's office and she's sharing uh, these harrowing events that she had witnessed in China in hopes of uh, getting an extension on her visa. Uh, and her lawyer tells her at one point that Americans think communists are barbaric. If your story confirms that, they believe anything you say. Um, so I just wanted to ask, like, as a reporter who has reported from both China and the States, are there any Chinese immigrant stories you think haven't been spotlighted in mainstream media enough? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it is. You see now how, uh, like the the focus often is on sort of the extremes, or just sort of um, in uh, they're they're cast a certain way, or like I remember talking to someone who said, oh, they all hate girl babies in China, don't they? And I remember being sort of, um, you know, irked thinking, you know, in my family, my dad was like a huge supporter of his, you know, my mom's career and also of his daughters and, and our professional pursuits. So there isn't just one story in terms of um, how like a, a culture or community is. And I think just you know, I think sort of a, a story that now there's been a lot of talk lately is, uh, with crazy rich Asians coming out in theaters. Um, you know, the first major Hollywood movie featuring a majority Asian and Asian American cast in a quarter century. Um, and then, you know, Pachinko being adapted for TV or Jenny Han's book, um, All the Boys I've Loved Before coming out on Netflix. Um, I think there's a real opportunity for showing Asians not only, you know, in sort of more familiar narratives, but also just uh, in a rom-com, in, you know, everyday life, in, you know, the ways in which we are taking part in helping change uh, the culture at large. I think these are all stories that, you know, certainly I want to tell um, in journalism and in my fiction. Uh, yeah, I'm like really glad that... Uh we definitely have more variety uh, in stories about the Asian American experience and also the Asian immigrant experience. Um, 
I just want to talk about this one scene that I, uh, it's probably one of my favorite scenes in your book, and it's hilarious. Uh, I just wanted to ask, like, how did you, like, what inspired you to write that scene where there's like a food cart battle between the churro lady and <laughs> Scarlett's uh, Han Bao Bao cart? Because I, I thought it was just so inventive. Oh, thank you so much. Um, well, there is the, there's a, a part with fireballs and, <laughs> and that is actually inspired by some friends of mine who they're kind of a little bit, um, I don't want to say pyro, but they like doing <laughs> like, so, so I remember we went on a camping trip and they were shooting potato, uh, guns, like shooting potatoes off a cliff. And then they also, they would like to, they would spray hairspray on themselves um, to light their chest hair on fire. So, oh my um, God. So that's how I came to understand that there are sort of uh, many uses of Aquanet. And so <laughs> um, living in San Francisco, there's a very active food cart and food truck culture. Um, and particularly in a place like the Mission, uh, it's this interesting mix where you have often immigrants you know, selling the bacon wrapped hot dogs or the churros or what have you. Um, but then all the people coming out for the nightlife are, you know, tech programmers or so it's just, it's a really uh, interesting mix. And I think um, the scene comes as Scarlett realizes she, a place where she had been trying to uh, vend, she's, you know, she has to lay low from there for a little while. So she tries a new neighborhood. Um, and it, you know, it also forces her to kind of leave the confines of, of Chinatown and its sort of its neighbor. And so, um, I mean, I think it just came to me uh, as, you know, to keep a story going, you don't make life easier for your character. You make it harder. <laughs> so, um, but, but I think, uh, but, but there's also, I, I was striving for a sense of um, like comedy or the ridiculous because there is just that, that potential in terms of like a, a, a showdown on the, the street and just what, uh, you know, what she has to, the, the length she has to go to, to to get her business off the ground. Yeah, it's it's just like hilarious that when she goes into like the tech uh, the tech district of the mission, uh, she's like charging like extra. Um, she's she's charging them twice as much as she usually would in in Chinatown, and I thought that was like a pretty common. Uh, I guess it's like a pretty common thing in the Asian immigrant experience. Like you have, uh, you kind of have to evolve your cultural heritage in order to like cater to, uh, I guess, like the mainstream public. Or if you want a long line for anything in San Francisco, just charge more for it than usual. Charge more. <laughs> and then people will line up. Um, so I'm, I'm going to ask you one last question. Um, what are you working on now? What What's next? So I've been writing a lot of essays um, around sort of related um you know, around the launch of my book. But I, I do have another book that I'm very excited about. Um, it's about uh, Chairman Mao's Teenage Lover. It's set on the eve oh of the Oh, my God. I love it already. Yeah. And um, it was inspired, like, years ago. I was watching this documentary about China, and suddenly there was a scene of Chairman Mao surrounded by all these teenage girls who were dressed like, like bobby soxers. 
And it turned out Chairman Mao was a fan of ballroom dancing. And they really would, wow. Yeah, they were uh, you know, they were brought in to 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 dance with him and other top cotter. He did take some on as, as lovers. Um and but you know, again, going back to this whole idea of the historical record, there really just wasn't much written about them. And so mine you know, my it's it's my take on sort of what that relationship might look like and how it might have impacted, you know, certain certain events in the country. Oh my God, I'm like so excited for this book. It sounds <laughs> It sounds amazing. Uh, well, thank you so much, Vanessa, for taking the time to speak with us. Well, thank you for such thoughtful questions and for seeing so deeply into my book. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. I really, really enjoyed your book. If you couldn't, if you couldn't tell. <laughs> no, thank you so much. I, I really, I love to hear that. All right. That was Rira's interview with Vanessa Hua, the author of A River of Stars. Um, if you want to follow Vanessa on Twitter, you can follow her at, at Vanessa underscore Hua. Um, that's H-U-A. Um, and I guess I'll do it for this episode of Books and Boba. Rira, yeah. thank you for conducting such a great interview. I, I was sitting in the background, but I learned a lot. Oh, and yeah. Now, now I'm like, I didn't realize there was a food truck fight. So that's, that's pretty Oh my God, the food truck fight is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, yeah, today is is kind of a busy day for us. Like, we're we're both going crazy for Asians today. Yeah, we're both watching crazy crazy rich Asians for like the umpteenth time. Yeah, um, well, for you, this is only like my second or third time, <laughs> I think. A lot of things are coming out um, this Friday. Also, um, speaking of Asian American books, uh, the adaptation of To All the Boys I Love Before by Jenny Han is also coming out on Netflix on Friday. Um, reviews are coming out right now, and it's also very positive so it's a great week for just asian american representation on screens yeah, on screens. and on page because Vanessa Hua's book just came out but as you said yesterday um august 14th yeah and there's you know there's always tons more happening. yeah there's there's a lot of books that came out uh this month by asian and asian american authors and i don't know if i'll ever have time to go through all of them because uh <laughs> Every month, more comes out, and it's like... You know, our friends at Lit Celebration put out a pretty good list on Twitter every month, so I think we're just going to share that. Yeah, probably, and also, like, Asian American Writers Workshop, they also uh, release new releases uh, on their site, and a lot of their stuff, uh, I mean, they share, like, independent books and uh, poetry books. Poetry books we don't really cover in this podcast, so... We haven't yet. I feel like we, we, we could at some uh, point. We need, like, we need, like, we need, like, the Yoda of... <laughs> of poetry because I like I'm so bad at analyzing poetry yeah yeah if you volunteer as tribute and as people <laughs> yeah and as people know I, I just have hot takes you know speaking of hot takes um, the August Books and Bubble Book Club book pick is Crazy Rich Asians by Kevin Kwan the book that the hit movie is based on uh, I'm a couple chapters in, and I do have some thoughts already, but uh, I'll save those for our discussion. Yeah. Say, like, I, I, I see what they had to do to make the movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> As with all uh, book-to-film yeah. adaptations, things are going to be tweaked and omitted. Um, yeah, like, uh, next week we're going to have a talk with some of our friends about To All the Boys I've Loved Before, because <laughs> I read the first book and i am reading i am almost done with the second book and i'm gonna buy the third book and yeah. i'm really excited to talk about it 
Yeah, this month is Asian August. Yeah, so if you have thoughts on、um, Crazy Rich Asians or to all the boys I love you for, please sound off on our Goodreads forums. There are threads for all those topics currently,、mm-hmm. and、uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts.、Um, With that said. Yeah, with that said,、uh, thank you so much for listening. This、uh, Books and Boba is a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian American culture podcasts featuring unique voices and stories from our Asian American communities.、Uh, we love the Potluck Collective. Thank you so much for like, being a part of it. And if you like Books and Boba, you should also check out some of our other shows, such as The Collab Cast, The Calls Bruce, Saturday School, Asian Americana, and Good Muslim, Bad Muslim, among others.、Um, Special thanks to Visual Communications for letting us、uh, set up our studios in their office.、Uh, Visual Communications, of course, is a media organization that supports Asian Americans in the media arts.、Uh, they're the ones behind the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival and the Arm with the Camera Fellowship. And you can learn more about their programs at bconline.org.、Um, yeah. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Books and Boba.、Uh, Vanessa Hua's book, A River Stars, is available now, so go grab it. And、um, yeah, we'll see you next time on Books and Boba. Yeah, keep reading. Bye.